we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is compassion. Upcoming themes are death, thought and psychological evolution. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. For more information about activities and programmes at Brockwood, such as the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre, Brockwood Park School and more about the Foundation, please visit our website at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has six sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Madras, 1983, titled, What is Compassion? What is compassion? Not the definition. You can look up in a dictionary. What is compassion? What is the relationship between love and compassion? Or they are the same movement. When we use the word relationship, it implies a duality, a separation. But we are are asking, what is what place is love in compassion? Or love is the highest expression of compassion. How can one be compassionate if you belong to any religion, follow any guru, believe in something? Believe in your scriptures, in your guru, and so on. Attached to a conclusion. When you accept your guru, you are you have reached you have come to a conclusion. Or when you strongly believe in God or in a saviour or in this or that. Can there be compassion? You may do social work, help the poor, 
out of pity, out of sympathy, out of charity. But it's all that love and compassion. So, in understanding the nature of love, having that quality, you understand, which is mind in the heart, that is, intelligence, which is a very complex question, intelligence is the understanding or the discovering of what love is. Intelligence has nothing whatsoever to do with thought, with cleverness, with knowledge. You may be very clever in your studies, in your job, in being able to argue very cleverly, intelligently, very cleverly, reasonably, but that's not intelligence. Intelligence goes with love and compassion. And with that intelligence, if there is, if you have come upon it, and you cannot come upon it as an individual, compassion is not yours or mine, like thought is not yours or mine. Where there is intelligence, there is no me and you. And intelligence doesn't abide in your heart or in your mind. That intelligence which is supreme is everywhere. It is that intelligence that moves the earth and the heavens and the stars. Because that is compassion. The second extract is from the second talk in San Francisco, 1973, titled We Have No Compassion. You know, we have no compassion. We have a great deal of knowledge, great deal of experience, we can do extraordinary things medically, technologically, scientifically, but we have no compassion whatsoever. Compassion means passion for all human beings and animals, nature. And where, how can there be compassion when there is fear? And when the mind is constantly pursuing pleasure. So you want pleasure, 
fear, to control fear, put it underground, and also you want compassion, you want more. You can't have it. You can have compassion only when fear is not. And that's why it's so important to understand fear in our relationships. And that fear can be totally be uprooted when you can observe the reaction without naming it, and the very naming of it is the projection of the past. So thought sustains and pursues pleasure, and thought also gives strength to fear. I am afraid of what might happen tomorrow. I am afraid of losing a job. I am afraid of time as death. So thought is responsible for fear. Right? You understand this? And with, with living thought, our daily activity is based on thought. So what place has thought in human relationship? You have insulted me. That leaves a memory in my that is leaves a mark as memory in my mind. And I look at you with that memory. Or if you flatter me, I look at you with that memory. So I never look at you without the eyes of the past. So it's very important to understand what place has thought in relationship. If it has a place, then relationship is a routine, a mechanical, daily, meaningless pleasure and fear. So one comes to the question then, what is love? Is it the product of thought? And unfortunately, it has been made as the product of thought. Love of God and love of man and the destruction of nature.
and to go into this question deeply to find out for oneself what love is. Because without that, without that quality of compassion, we'll always suffer. And to come upon it, for the mind to have that deep compassion, one must understand suffering. For passion is the outcome of suffering. The meaning of that word passion, its root meaning is sorrow, suffering. And most of us escape from suffering. Not that we must accept suffering, that's silly. Both physically as well as psychologically. And is thought the movement of suffering or is suffering something entirely different from thought? And therefore it's immensely important to understand the machinery of thinking, not verbally understand it, but actually observe in ourselves what is thinking and see what its relationship is in our daily life. Living without this compassion makes life an empty shell which has to be filled with pleasure. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Brookwood Park in 1975, titled The Ending of Sorrow is the Beginning of Compassion. When there is freedom from suffering, there is compassion. Not before you can talk about it, write books about it, discuss what compassion is. But the ending of sorrow is the beginning of compassion. And can your human mind, which has put up its suffering, endless suffering, having their children killed in wars, suffering, and willing to accept further suffering by future wars,
suffering through education. Modern education is to achieve as technological, nothing else. And that brings great sorrow. So, compassion, which is love, can only come when you understand fully the, the depth of suffering and the ending of suffering. And can that suffering end, not in somebody else, in you. The Christians have made parody of suffering. Sorry to use that word, but it is actually so. The Hindus have made it into an intellectual affair that you, what you have done in the past life, you are paying for the present life, and for the future there will be happiness for you if you behave properly now. But they never behave properly now. So they carry on with this belief, which is utterly meaningless. But if a man who is serious, who is concerned, with compassion, what it means to love, because without that you can do what you like. You can build all the skyscrapers, have marvellous economic world and social behaviour and all that. Without that life becomes a desert. So to understand what it means or to live with compassion, must understand what suffering is. Is suffering, apart from the physical pain, physical disease, physical accident, which generally affects the mind, distorts mind, if you have had physical pain for some time, it twists your mind. And to be aware that, that the physical pain cannot touch the, the mind requires tremendous inward awareness. And then, then there is the suffering, apart from the physical, there is the suffering of every kind, suffering in loneliness, suffering when there is no love and you are not loved, the longing for you to be loved and never finding it satisfactory, because we make love into something to be satisfied. We want love to be gratified. And suffering, because there is death, suffering, because there is never a moment of complete wholeness.
a complete sense of totality, but always living in fragmentation, which is contradiction, strife, confusion, misery. And to escape from that, we go to temples, drugs, and to various forms of entertainment, religious and non-religious, group therapy and individual therapy. You know, all those tricks we play upon ourselves and upon others, if we are clever enough to play tricks upon others. So there is this immense suffering brought by man against man. We bring suffering to all the animals, we kill them, eat them. We have destroyed species after species. Because our love is fragmented. We love God and kill human beings. So there is this problem. Can that end? Can suffering totally end so that there is complete and whole compassion? Because suffering means the root meaning of that is to is to have passion. Not the Christian passion. Passion. Not lust. That's too cheap. That's very easy. But to have compassion, which means passion for all, for all things, and that can only come when there is total freedom from suffering. You know, it is a very complex problem, like everything, like fear, pleasure and suffering. They are all interrelated, and to go into it and see whether the mind, which includes the brain, can ever be free completely of all psychological suffering, inward suffering. If we don't understand that and not free, we'll bring suffering to others, as we have done. Though you believe in God, in Christ, in Buddha, in all kinds of beliefs, you have killed men or generation after generation. You understand what we do, what our politicians do in India and here. So can what is suffering? And why is it that human beings who think of themselves extraordinarily alive and intelligent, why have they allowed themselves to suffer?
you understand? There is the suffering when there is jealousy. Jealousy is a form of suffering, a form of hate. Not only jealousy of those who have achieved something in this world or supposedly achieved in another world, envy is part of our structure, part of our nature, which is to compare ourselves with somebody else. And can you live without comparison? We think without comparison we shall not evolve, we shall not grow, we shall not be somebody. But have you ever tried to live really, actually, without comparing yourself with anybody? You have read the lives of saints, the, of this, etc., etc., and if you are inclined that way, as you get older you want to become like that, not when you are young. You spit on all that. But as you are approaching the grave, you wake up. So, There are different forms of suffering. And can you look at it, observe it, without trying to escape from it? Just remain solidly with that thing. When my wife, I'm not married, when my wife runs away from me or looks at another man, because wedding has, by law, she belongs to me and I hold her. Stupid stuff, all this. Mm. And when she moves away from me, I'm jealous. because I possess. In possession I feel satisfied, I feel safe. And all this is good to be possessed, but that also gives satisfaction. And that jealousy, that envy, that hatred, can you look at it without any movement of thought and remain with it? You understand what I'm saying? Jealousy is a reaction, a reaction which has been named through memory as jealousy. And I have been educated to run away from it, to rationalize it, or to indulge in it and hate, anger and all the rest of it. 
But without doing any of that, can I can my mind solidly remain with it without any movement? You understand what I'm saying? Do it and you will see what happens. The same way when you suffer psychologically, to remain with it completely without a single movement of thought. Then you will see, out of that suffering comes that strange thing called passion. And if you have no passion of that kind, you cannot be creative. So out of that suffering comes compassion. And that is the that is that energy is totally different from the mechanistic energy of thought. Right. Fourth extract is from the second question and answer meeting at Brookwood Park in 1979, titled Compassion is Supreme. The mind, having understood the nature of sorrow, therefore freedom from sorrow, which doesn't mean that you, you are indifferent and all the rest of freedom from sorrow, Right? These are only indications, not the final thing. If these don't exist, the other final thing cannot be. You understand the point? I don't think you do. Look, sir, a man or a woman, a man has spent years and years searching, seeking, asking, demanding, so-called sacrificing, taking vows of celibacy, poverty, you follow? And at the end of it all he says, My God, I have nothing. I have ashes in my head. Even though they think they have in their hands Christ or Jesus or the Buddha, it is still actress. I wonder if you see all this. And such a man asks, what is the right action in my life? Right action which will be right under all circumstances. It doesn't vary from time to time according to culture, according to nation, according to education. Right, precise, actual. When all this is clear, that your mind is totally unattached, to itself, you understand, to its own body, and 
no fear, and the ending of sorrow. Then if that is clear, the one thing is compassion. Understand? Out of all this comes compassion. Then compassion not ashes in your head. It isn't the compassion that does social reform, social work. The saints, it isn't the compassion of the saints. Compassion of the uh, people who go out in the war and heal pe- doctors and so on, so on. It is not that at all. It is the one answer that is true under all circumstances, and therefore, out of that, right action. Because compassion goes with intelligence. If there is no intelligence which is born out of compassion, instead, then you get lost in some trivialities, and the world then accepts those trivialities as being the extraordinary acts of compassion. They become saints and they become heroes, they become all kinds of idiotic recognitions of silly people. So there is only there is one act, one quality that is supreme and that is compassion with its intelligence. And out of that intelligence there is a right action under all circumstances. The fifth extract is from Krishnamurti's third question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1982, titled Compassion can only exist when the self is not. Won't we find the truth you speak of through loving service to humanity, through acts of love and compassion? Oh, this is a lovely question. Won't we find the truth you speak of through loving service to humanity, through acts of love and compassion? The do-gooders are always helping society, the poor, devoting their life to poverty, and helping others to accept the poverty or to move out of that poverty. This is going on, recognised by religious people as a great act, making them into saints. You know all this. You read about it almost every day in the papers. The missionaries that go out, 
It's all so ridiculous. <coughs> now, the questioner says, through acts of love, compassion, service, do we find that truth which is not yours or mine or doesn't belong to any religion? Now, do you love? Do you have compassion? Do you want to help or serve another? When, I, when you set out to serve another, to help another, it means you know much better than the other fellow does. I think there is a great deal of vanity in all this, in the name of service, in the name of love. Don't you think so? A great deal of self-expression. I want to fulfil myself through various activities, maybe service, maybe that which is called love, or through what we call love and compassion. Isn't it natural and healthy indication to help another? That's natural. Why do we make a dance and a song about it? And compassion. What is it? What does it mean? The meaning of that word. Passion for all, feeling deep passion. For all that means, be intense, have that feeling of great intensity, not to kill another human being, not to kill a living thing. Then you will say, we can't, when you kill a, ca- kill a cabbage, that's to kill something. So, where do you draw the line? To kill a human being? To kill a baby seal? To kill your enemy? who is aggressive, as you yourself have been aggressive last year. So, can compassion exist, love exists when there is no, when there is 
antagonism, when there is competition, when each one of us is seeking success, going to all this service. So, in the in having self-knowing, let's put it this way, in knowing myself, which is knowing the content of my consciousness, which is myself, the content, the beliefs, the the antagonisms, the agony, the loneliness, the suffering, the pain, desire to be secure, if all that and more is my consciousness, without knowing that, understanding the whole conflicting, destructive combination which is my consciousness. How can I love? How can I have that thing called compassion? So to know the understanding of oneself, not the improvement of the self, which is merely the improvement of my selfishness, which which can be marvellous if you want that kind of thing, the understanding of myself, the understanding of my reactions, the way I think, why do I, you know, the whole movement of myself. The Greeks, the ancient Greeks and the ancient Hindus talked about know thyself. But very few people have really studied themselves. They have studied the animals, rats, guinea pigs, dogs, monkeys, vivisection, you know all that, what is happening. And through them they hope to understand themselves. They talk about behaviour, but they never study themselves. We are the greatest experimenters in our if we are in ourselves. And to know oneself is to understand, look in the mirror of our relationship. I can't know myself just by thinking about myself, whether I am this, whether I am that, but I can understand myself is revealed in my relationship to my wife, to my children, to my neighbour, to governments, to everything. I see myself as I am, not as I would like to be, but actually as I am. Then there's a possibility of seeing what actually is there is a possibility of changing that. 
bring about transformation in that. But we never study ourselves. We are always studying books, and the books tell us what we are, and trying hope, trying to adjust ourselves what others have told us. What others have told us is what we are. So why do we have to be told by others what we are? You understand all this? Because we we want to be quite certain that what that what we study is accurate. So we turn to others. We make mistakes. We say this is right, this is wrong, I did this yet. But there is this constant alert of awareness of one's of one's reaction in one's relationship that requires attention, a great deal of sensitivity, and to have and to be physically sensitive, not be drugged, not be, take alcohol, smoke. How can you be sensitive? So compassion, love can only exist when the Self is not. As we said the other day, when you are not, that which is you may cease. The final extract this week is from the fifth discussion in Sanan 1975, titled Without Compassion, the Sacred Cannot Be Found. What is love and compassion? Is the love that we have spacious? (laughs) That's good. Or is it terribly limited? Is compassion without border, therefore infinite space? So we are going to examine that. The love that we have in the world of reality that love is pleasure, right? Would you acknowledge that? Or would you all too holy for that? Just sentimentality. Huh? What? Sentimentality. Love is called sentimentality romantic, pleasurable, Hmm? and the pursuit of that pleasure is called love. Right? I love you because you give me sexual satisfaction or you give me comfort, you support me, you fulfil my loneliness. You, I depend on you both emotionally, psychologically and physically, so I am attached to you. And when there is any trouble between you and me, 
there is antagonism, there is jealousy, being wounded, there is hate, all that we call love. And say, I am very sensitive. So, in that love, as we call it, which is both divine and not divine, the divine love is the invention of thought. I don't know if you uh, come on, sir. And we are saying, in that love, there is no space. Right? Because there is no space, there is violence in it. Hmm? So, then what is compassion? And is love pleasure? Is love the fulfilment of desire. You following all this? I love you. And in that there is pleasure. And if in that love there is any disturbance, hmm, there is jealousy, antagonism and all the rest of it. And in that love there is no space, because I am holding. I wonder if you see that, I am clinging, I am... Right? I don't have to go into all that silly stuff. Hmm? Right? So, the so-called love is, has no space. And therefore, that love is really irresponsible. Hmm? And responsibility comes into being only when there is compassion. Compassion not for you, compassion, like the sun is not shining for you. So. Where there is vast space, there is compassion. And that vast space cannot come into being if there is a center as the me. Right? So, without compassion, there is no meditation. You understand, sir? Because without compassion, which means passion for everything, care for everything, respect for everything, without compassion, one, one can ne without that, what is sacred can never be found. You understand? 
You know, we have created, thought has created something sacred. Hmm? The temples, the churches, the symbols, and we worship those symbols and call those sacred. But it is the movement of thought in time and measure. So that is not sacred. Once in India, I was asked, the speaker was asked by the followers of Mr. Ganli, and he said, All peoples can enter every type of strata of human society can enter into that temple, for God is there for everybody. And they were asked me, what do you say to that question? I said, anybody can enter, it doesn't matter who goes in, because God isn't there. You understand? God is an idea put together by thought, but one has to find that which is eternally, incorruptibly sacred, and that can only come when there is, when there is a compassion. Which means when you have understood the whole significance of suffering. Yes. Suffering not only of yourself, but the suffering of the world. The suffering of the world is, is truth. It is there. It is not a sentimental, romantic, fluttering of thought. It is actually there, as in us. And to, under, to live with that suffering, go to, it, to the very end without escaping from it. When you don't escape, you have tremendous energy to meet that suffering. Then only you go beyond it. Out of that comes compassion. So meditation, then, is none of the things that have been traditionally brought from India to this country or abroad. Those are all the activities of thought. Meditation, then, is the total comprehension of the movement of thought. giving it the right place, correct place. Thought has its correct place. And that correct place can only be understood or seen or have an insight into when you understand totally the movement of thought, all its activity, all its cunning, its deceptions, it's illusions. Then, when you understand pleasure and the whole significance of fear, 
Out of that there is this called thing called suffering, which man has never been able to solve. Christianity has made a parody of it. We have never been able to solve, and therefore we have never been compassionate. And compassion comes only when you have understood the whole meaning of suffering and no longer suffer, and therefore out of that comes compassion. It is only the compassionate mind that can meditate and find that which is eternally sacred.